as you know, I love telling you about Steel Products. S-T-I-H-L. You can find a plethora of great steel products at SteelUSA.com. Again, that's S-T-I-H-L. SteelDealers.com is where you'll find more than 10,000 dealers around the country. One of the great things about going to a a steel dealer is you are going to get hands-on help and advice to help you get the job done right. Knowledgeable advice, product demonstrations, protective apparel, product registration, Trained technicians when you go to an authorized steel dealer. And again, there's more than 10,000 around the country, so there's one in your neighborhood as well. They're an award-winning company. They have award-winning products. They are truly, this is not hyperbole, they're the best. And they want to give you more than just the right tools for the job. They want to make sure you have the advice you need, again, from people that you can trust. So go see them. Steel dealers.com s-t-i-h-l steel usa.com this week on the drew goodman podcast drew looks back at the championship games and oh by the way the 49ers we thought were really good are really good zach goodman joins the show to talk about taylor swift the announcers the nhl and of course the super bowl honestly i thought as long as san francisco was in this game we were going to get a, a phenomenal matchup for the super bowl when you're looking at just straight up greatness and, and people you want to see in the super bowl patrick mahomes at the top of the list subscribe to the drew goodman podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend this is the drew goodman podcast he goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez. And there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Yes, the Super Bowl is set. The Kansas City Chiefs will try to defend their title against the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome in, everybody. It is podcast number 240. My middle son, Zach, will be along in a little bit, and we'll talk about uh, football and media and a little hockey as well. Avalanche hockey. We'll get to that uh, in a few moments. Most importantly, we're going to begin here with Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, they're going to the Super Bowl. I guess Taylor Swift's going to fly back from Tokyo and get to Las Vegas in time. I'm starting here, you know, semi-ingest, obviously. I don't get the uproar with some people, not all people, with some people who are perturbed, angry, cynical at the fact that the networks who are covering chief games show Taylor Swift in Kelsey's box or whoever's suite it is each week when she's there. Why are you offended? She's a pop icon. She's one of the most famous people on the planet right now. Her boyfriend happens to be one of the greatest tight ends of all time and is a key, key member of a team going to the Super Bowl. And they're happy together. And you saw that demonstrated after the game, after the AFC Championship game in Baltimore. Why should that offend people? It doesn't take away from anything. It's not like they're showing Taylor Swift and you missed the third and five play, right? Who cares? I think it's great. I I wasn't necessarily a huge Taylor Swift fan, to be honest, in the interest of full disclosure. I don't know a a ton about her music when I've heard it. Good. Nice sound to it. She's obviously a marvelous entertainer. She seems down to earth for somebody who is uber famous. And guess what? Her and Travis Kelsey have hit it off. And she seems to have hit it off with mom and dad and hit it off with, with Pat Mahomes' wife. What's wrong with that? We could use more positivity, looking at good relationships, people who are in love. What the heck is wrong with that? I don't, I really, I, I don't understand where people get upset with that. I mean, are you so miserable that that bothers you? Again, you're not missing plays. And they do the same thing to a lesser degree when Detroit was on the roll with uh, Eminem. You've seen it last year with Philadelphia, some of the actors that you know were born and raised in Philadelphia and, and attached to the Eagles. Are you offended at Eagles games um, when Mike Trout is shown? So what do you, 
what's the problem? Okay. Got that off my chest. One of the other things that we learned, I'll talk to Zach about this in a little bit. One of the other things we learned is you cannot make these sweeping statements in midseason about a team. The 49ers, for a good portion of this year, looked like an elite team. Like, man, they they look like a team that's going to come out of the NFC. And then they hit a uh, a point where they lost, I, I think, three in a row. What's wrong with the 49ers? They got blown out at home by the Ravens. Ravens are head and shoulders better than them. Remember when Kansas City was stumbling and bumbling, dropping passes left and right? Kelsey even dropping passes. Uh, Mahomes was, you know, throwing picks. You cannot judge a team, oh, an elite team, a team that you know has really good talent by what's going on in the regular season exclusively. Now, in the case of Philadelphia, who started out 10-1 and and then stumbled down the stretch, there obviously was something to that. And they got eliminated in the first round, as we know. But the Chiefs, and I'll throw a couple other teams in there, at least one. Buffalo. Remember, it looked like at one point, Buffalo wasn't even going to make the postseason. And then Buffalo became formidable again, won their first playoff game great game against the the Chiefs in Buffalo that they lost as we know but it, it's hard to just look at the regular season and 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 definitively say well this team's no good every team is going to have a stretch we know that I don't think we're going to see in today's day and age a, a revisit of the Miami Dolphins in 72 going unbeaten and and even then with all due respect to those Dolphins teams and 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 the folks that that are still with us from that '72 team, and I know they pop champagne every time uh, the last undefeated team uh, loses. They played 14 games, playing three more, and then the expansive playoffs. It's different. It is, and it's and again, it's not to uh, take anything away from the the only unbeaten team uh, that were that we've seen in the modern era in the 72 Dolphins. I'm excited about the matchup. Let me start with Brock Purdy. And I'm glad there's been a lot of pushback on Brock Purdy being a game manager. It's like, well, we can't anoint Brock Purdy as an elite quarterback because he has Christian McCaffrey. He has George Kittle. He has Debo Samuel. He has uh, an all-world left tackle. So we're going to call him a game manager. So we're going to give him, you know, begrudging credit. Guy's good. Guy's good. And if he was drafted in the first round, I think we would have come to that realization sooner as opposed to the fact that he was the last pick in the entire draft. I think it makes his story more compelling. I think it makes it more fascinating. And the guy's good. He's accurate with the football. And I learned a little bit more about him this week. We never called him athletic. He's a good athlete. Maybe the two biggest plays for San Francisco in their comeback, when it looked like they were hopelessly out of it at halftime against Detroit, were those scrambles. And he was running away from some folks. In fact, so much so that I got on Google and I said, what was this guy's 40 time at the combine? I mean, I know he was a good player at Iowa State. His 40 time was 484. Now, many moons ago, I ran better than a 484. Now, I obviously don't belong anywhere close to an NFL football field, but I'm saying that's not, you know, that's not super speed. Pat Mahomes was a 480, by the way, at the combine. Those guys, though, are athletic and have the ability to tuck the ball down when necessary and be elusive enough that you have to be aware of them. Not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Eli Manning trying to scramble. And so you saw an element that maybe you didn't know Brock Purdy had, and it turned out to be maybe the difference in that football game and the comeback for the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm all in on Brock Purdy. Doesn't have the strongest arm. It's okay. He's accurate. He makes, by and large, good decisions with the football. And I'm excited for Christian McCaffrey. And we'll talk about CMC with Zach uh, coming up. You know, Valor High product, Eddie's kid. 
Ola Eddie and Lisa's kids, great, great athletes. But Christian McCaffrey's different. And I watched him play at Stanford a lot because he was this local kid, and I saw him play in high school quite a bit. And I'm like, just because he's 195 pounds or whatever he is now, he's probably a little bigger than that, but, you know, 5'10". And they said, oh, he can't, can't take the pounding, can't, can't run between the tackles. He is as good running between the tackles as any running back in football. And you just keep giving it to him because it may be three, four, two, eight, seven. He always falls forward too. that, that old line about running backs. He rarely gets driven backwards, but then he's going to bust one 35, 45. Had a huge, huge run late in the game. And at the end of the day, I think, he, I, I think the total carries was, don't quote me on this. I know he had 90 yards on the ground. It was 18 or 20 carries. That's four and a half yards of carry. That's really good. And, then, of course, they can throw it to him out of the backfield. Stud. Love watching him. Deserves to be MVP, quite frankly. And I'm not being a revisionist here, taking into account Lamar Jackson's less than inspiring performance in the AFC Championship game. I think Lamar's great. But I, I really do think that we could walk away this year from a quarterback necessarily and say, you know what? The MVP was a running back. Christian McCaffrey. So I'm excited to watch him play. I'm always excited to watch Mahomes play. Uh, a moment ago, I mentioned the occasional turnover during the regular season for Mahomes, just like we saw with Josh Allen. Those guys in the postseason, they're a little smarter, a little more judicious with the football. Mahomes doesn't turn it over. Even Allen you know, didn't really turn it over. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I think we all learn every time you want to go, okay, we know he's great. We know he's fabulous. We know he's already won two Super Bowls. Now he's in, in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. He's chasing Brady. You don't bet against him. You can't. He's just magical. He's magical and he's likable and he's really friggin' good. And Travis Kelsey, who had... Uh, you know, a slump at, at one point during the season. There were drop passes. I mean, they utilized him so well, and, and he was nothing short of magnificent uh, in the AFC Championship game. 11 catches. Come on, man. That's that's the stuff of, of legends. And that back shoulder throw where he tumbles into the end zone and makes a catch uh, early in the football game, that that set the tenor of the game that it was going to go the Chiefs' way. really did. Um, with Lamar Jackson, big fan of Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson comes across to me as a, a really good leader, someone that is clearly exceptionally well-liked in their locker room, that has great humility, has great talent. He's improved as a passer. Um, we know what kind of legs he has. But you cannot put him yet, and it's still he's still very young in his career. He's going to be a two-time MVP. So we, we know how ridiculously gifted he is. But you cannot put him in that elite category where Patrick Mahomes resides and maybe even in that category behind Mahomes where, where Josh Allen often resides and where we've seen Joe Burrow, though Burrow's dealt with, unfortunately, some injuries early in his career. You can't put him there yet because the fact of the matter is He's two and four in the playoffs. Now, I think when it's all said and done for Lamar Jackson, you know, 10, 12, 14 years down the road, he's going to have a really good playoff record. And I think he'll probably win a championship. But if you're a Baltimore Raven fan, you're saying we had what looked like the offense to do it and clearly the defense because they're really good defensively and have been good. And so you're wondering, man, is this a missed opportunity? Because it's hard to keep teams together. When guys play really well, you can't pay everybody. So Lamar Jackson, to take that next step, it ain't about the regular season. We know that. It's about the postseason. And he was flawless against Houston. He was not great. And it's not all on his shoulders, but he was not great uh, by any stretch against Kansas City. So it'll be an intriguing matchup. Uh, my early uh, my early thought is I'm not going to bet against Patrick Holmes. I just said, <laughs> I mean, he just finds a way to win, right? 
think it'll be fun though. I think it'll be I think it'll be uh, really entertaining stuff. We'll get back to uh, football in a moment. Um, but I'd re- be remiss if I didn't touch on this. It was kind of a, a bigger story in Denver. The Nuggets were playing uh, the Joel Embiid led Philadelphia 76ers a few days back in town and for the sellout crowd that was anticipating finally Embiid playing in Denver and and another matchup with Jokic and, and it provided great theater a couple of weeks earlier in Philadelphia all of a sudden an hour and change before the game Embiid who was not on the injury report does not play and he didn't play the next game either and now he's tweaked his knee um don't have the full report as we tape this on a on a Wednesday but this whole thing that the NBA has to Adam Silver's credit tried to address this load management deal I I still don't get it and and I think if you're of the era of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and all those folks and I'm not one to always go oh back in the day it was so much better but the game was really physical far more physical than they allow now and guys play it every day if you showed up at your arena to watch your team play another team that had a superstar on it that superstar unless you know there was a bone protruding from their leg was going to play when the bulls came to town michael jordan played i know because i was privileged enough to call nugget games for 10 years when michael jordan was in the league he played every time he came to denver when magic johnson came to town he played Larry Bird, all the stars they played, they didn't want nights off. They didn't take nights off. They weren't concerned with load management. They still have to address this in the NBA. It's a joke. And while I'm on that subject, I am not impressed with guys that are getting 60 and 70 points in a basketball game. I know this much, again, having covered the NBA and watched it for 50 plus years going back to when I was a kid scoring Knicks games in my home in Poundridge, New York, watching my beloved Knickerbockers of Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe and Dave DeBusher and Bill Bradley and Willis Reed, the captain. I know the NBA. And there is no defense by and large being played in the NBA right now. And I know how uber talented these guys are, more talented than they've ever been. I will always say this in every sport, they're better in 2024 in baseball, football, basketball, hockey than they've ever been. The athlete is better. They're better trained. They're better fed. They understand so much more about the science of of performance that you can't compare an elite football, basketball, baseball, hockey player, soccer player, field hockey player, any sport to what took place even 20 or 30 years ago. Can't. And that's not to say that great in one era wasn't great. It is. But what they're doing in the NBA right now, yeah, it's hard to cover these guys. I get it. But a guy going and getting 60 or 70 when they're, when there's, it's almost all-star uh, caliber defense where it's just Olay type of defense, that doesn't impress me. Oh my goodness, so-and-so scored 55 tonight. You know, Devin Booker went for 53. Uh, you know, Antetokounmpo went for 60. Yeah, I know they're they're wonderful talents, but it does not impress me. Does not impress me. And by the way, uh, and aside with, with Joel Embiid, who's been, uh, you know, deferential to Jokic in that Jokic, I think uh, I'm paraphrasing now, he said, hey, he's the king. He He's... He's a defending champ right now. So it, Jokic is the guy still, even though Embiid, it, 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 like we we're talking about some of these other guys, wonderfully talented. But he's not going to play enough games to be the MVP, which I think is going to put Jokic back in that number one chair again, where he ought to be. All right. I'll get off my uh, NBA uh, soapbox. One other note before uh, a visit with Zach. Tony Romo, and, and this... Hits home in that as a broadcaster, as as somebody is, who has spent their entire career, you know, in a booth broadcasting games, football, basketball, baseball. Um, you know, Tony Romo was a revelation when he came off the field and he got in the booth with CBS, and he's watching games and doing something 
that he would do when he was a quarterback, and that is he would dissect what he sees defensively. He would look at the offensive set, and he would basically know what that team was going to run. And it was fascinating because he was predictive and, and accurate most of the time. And he was anointed as, man, you know, one, one of the best analysts we've ever heard. And deservedly so. And somewhere along the line over the last couple of years, it seems like he doesn't do that as much. I don't know why. Um, and, and, and I think for some, he's kind of come back to the pack as an analyst. And he's, he's taken some shit. That comes with the territory, especially as we know with social media. You don't have a thick skin. Uh, you can't get in this business. Um, if you're worried about what some guy in, in his basement thinks, who you wouldn't solicit their opinion anyhow, you wouldn't seek their advice, why do you care? But again, having said that, and now with the fact that next year, Tom Brady is going to enter the Fox booth as the lead analyst with the great Jim Nance, and it's going to push Greg Olson, who's really good, really good in my estimation, going to push him back. It, it's fascinating, especially if, if like me, you love the art of broadcasting and sports broadcasting. And if you're listening to this, you're a sports fan, so you listen to a myriad of broadcasters. It's a very subjective business. Um, you have you know, people that you like, you have people that you're ambivalent about, you have people maybe you dislike. And, and there's no uniformity. You can't, you know, unequivocally say this guy is the absolute best. I mean, I, I think take Vin Scully, the late Vin Scully. I don't think there'll ever be anybody like him in baseball. But you could probably, as crazy as this sounds, find some people who weren't Vin Scully fans. Whereas you cannot refute that Pat Mahomes is a great quarterback, right? Whether you like him or not, you can't refute that he's a great quarterback. Can't refute that Travis Kelsey's not a great tight end. Can't. So again, back to you know this, this broadcasting business. I, I heard Tom Brady. I'm going to talk to Zach about this one as well. You know, on an interview, I like Tom Brady. Um, I, I think he's sharp. Um, I, I think he's a, a super team guy. Um, I think he'll do really well in broadcasting, and, and I'm interested in watching him. It's still to me baffling, even though he's you know, one of the biggest sports names in history, along with Tiger and Michael, right? Well, you know, maybe you go back Muhammad Ali, but certainly of this generation, Tiger, Michael, Tom Brady, the, neither one has to take a backseat to another in terms of notoriety. And they paid him a reported, Fox did, $375 million for 10 years. It's a long period of time. Nobody gets 10-year deals, right? Romo did. $37.5 million a year to do a job they've never done before. So I find it fascinating, but I think he'll do well. I think he'll do well. Wanted to make mention of that. And now we will um, transition to uh, my interview of the week. You know, I do it periodically. Uh, my son, Zach, is a sixth-year senior grad student, whatever you want to call it, uh, in uh, St. Louis at Webster University. He plays college baseball there. He's taken advantage of the NCAA allowing uh, the extra years because of COVID and, and uh, I'm proud of him. He's an aspiring broadcaster. Uh, he's doing a lot of play-by-play -play work and, and uh, podcast stuff. So I love having him on not only because he's my kid, but um, uh, I like his takes on, on different things as well. So uh, this week, joining me again, my middle son, Zachary. All right, buddy, I want to begin here because this is really the most important sports topic in the next couple of weeks. Are you bothered by the number of shots of pop icon Taylor Swift when the Chiefs are playing? I think it's uh, it's funny you start off that way. Uh, Colin Coward actually just went on a, a bit of a rant yesterday about this, talking about how many seconds that Taylor Swift is on the screen every every game and it's true she's on the screen about 20 seconds a game when they when they on average when they added it all up and people are throwing a fit about it and people need to just stop being little crybabies about it if uh, in a general term it's it's ridiculous when when you're in Detroit they're showing Eminem all the time it's part of the story it's part of the entertainment and it doesn't take away from the game if you're going to complain about 
20 seconds. Well, there's only on average 11 minutes of actual play time in the NFL, uh, during, during a regular game. So, uh, anybody complaining about that is just looking for something to complain and, uh, should, uh, should honestly, uh, get, get a little bit of more of a life and, and, and get your priorities straight. If that's, if that's a big, uh, concern to you, if that's my thing. Well, that's why you're my kid and that's why I love you. That's exactly what I said. What, what are people so upset about? Obviously, Taylor Swift's one of the most famous people in the world right now. Her boyfriend is one of the best football players in the world right now and has been. And they're happy together. Doesn't take away from the game. It's not like they're showing Taylor Swift and they're missing the third and five play. It's like, come on, enough. So uh, I I like how you responded to that. All right. Is this the most appealing matchup as we went into uh, championship weekend, AFC, NFC championship, Baltimore was favored at home. The assumptive MVP in um, Jackson was at home, Lamar Jackson, and yet Baltimore got beat. And Detroit, which is a wonderful story, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, it looked like they were going to beat San Francisco. We know the game we got now. We have San Francisco and Brock Purdy against Patrick Mahomes again in Kansas City. Is that for you the best matchup? Is that the most intriguing matchup, or would you have preferred something else? Uh, For me, it is just because, especially the way that Patrick Mahomes' career has started. I know we're in Denver. A lot of people uh, don't like the Chiefs and 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 that's part of it. But when you look at it, and Tom Brady isn't the most beloved person in Denver either, but when you're looking at just straight-up greatness and, and people you want to see in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes is at the top of the list. He's chasing something that we've never seen before other than what Tom Brady did. And when Tom Brady did, it's like, well, nobody's ever going to come close to this. Uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes has a long, long way to go. But in terms of the, uh, starting your career, the guy's 12-2 and two in the – I mean, excuse me, 14-3 and three in the playoffs. He's already won – Four AFC titles, won a couple uh, Super Bowls already, trying to get this third one. Um, I thought this was an interesting stat. Him and Brady, um, in their first six years, Patrick Mahomes, 258 touchdowns, 59 interceptions. Tom Brady, 157 touchdowns, 87 interceptions. Uh, and obviously, Tom Brady had that uh, tremendous start to the career, winning three out of four Super Bowls, uh, three, three Super Bowls in four years. Um, but what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now is is – superb it's stupendous and it's something that obviously uh is really important for the sport so in terms of that i would say yes this is the most intriguing matchup um in terms of what we watched the last 12 weeks of the season uh and how baltimore obliterated everybody and that defense looked uh like they weren't going to allow anyone to score on them and lamar jackson's the mvp front runner um so it honestly i thought as long as as San Francisco is in this game, we are going to get a, a phenomenal matchup for the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and the Chiefs will, will give that, and, and that game was uh, a well-played game as well. Yeah, and you're also reminded that you cannot overreact. And I know there's so many uh, shows that, that uh, refer to Monday after an NFL weekend as overreaction Monday because, oh my goodness, the 49ers have lost, I think it was three in a row at one point. They got blown out at home by Baltimore. Kansas City looked just, you know, decidedly mediocre for a large portion of the season. You can't make grandiose statements after week eight or week 10 or even week 13 or 14 later in the season. You just don't know. And now Kansas City looks just as good as they did a year ago, maybe even better defensively when they won a Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, the 49ers, who we thought were really good, are really good. Exactly. And, and you mentioned this a lot. It's hard to get up uh, for every single game of uh, of a year, uh, every week. It's, it's tough to get that motivation. You're playing a, a grueling game, a dangerous game, and it's it's tough to always be acting as if it's the biggest game of the year, but then playoffs roll around and who do you want on your team? You look at the guys that have had success and uh, everybody's going to be bringing it to the playoff game. So I think that certainly the, in the middle of the regular season, even though there's only 17 games in comparison to other sports that, uh, you know, minuscule, but it's still hard to, to get up for every game and playoff games just mean more and the, the best teams usually win. Yeah, I want to ask you because you because you're in St. Louis, um, as we've established before. 
Are folks in St. Louis, and they lost the Rams many years ago, and across the state uh, is the other big city, if you will, in the state of Missouri, and that's Kansas City. Do you find that folks from St. Louis in the eastern part of the state, do they pull from a home, such a likable guy, and Kelsey and the Chiefs, or is it the other way around? Well, I will say that there's absolutely zero gray area. It's very black and white. There's people that uh, are very big Chiefs fans and support them loyally. There's a lot of Chiefs bars around here. But on the flip side, it is the complete opposite, where they cannot stand watching the Chiefs do well. They won't even watch them uh, they're because of the way that the Chiefs marketed themselves after after the Rams had left. And obviously, Cronkies, public enemy number one in St. Louis. Uh, so so after the, the Rams left, I think a lot of people uh, have a little despise a little bit uh, the fact that so many people became Chiefs fans. So in St. Louis, you're either a, a Chiefs fan or you absolutely despise the Chiefs. There's really no in between. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't. Uh, I, I I guess I would have guessed that if I if I thought about it. But um, yeah, that that makes some uh, sense. Are you like me? I find Patrick Mahomes such uh, an eminently likable guy. I mean. Why? Why wouldn't you like him? He, he's a, he seems like a, he's a, a, obviously a wonderful teammate. We know he's a great talent. That that's clear. He's a handsome guy. He, he's his commercials are entertaining. Uh, he just comes across as somebody you'd like to hang with. And and you're you're close in age to him. I'm not. But is that how he comes across to you and 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 your contemporaries? I I personally really like Patrick Mahomes. I think that. He does a great job in the media. I think obviously what he does on the field is is superb, and I think he gets a little bit of a bad rep just because of social media nowadays. They have to nitpick and and try to find try to find stories or a reason to dislike someone who's doing something at such a high level, and and, and they really try to do that. And one of the things they do is they go after his family. And sure, there's TikTok, and you can dislike. Uh, you know, you'd have your opinions on, you know, his wife is an avid supporter of him and, and will scream really loudly. And some people don't like that. And then they, you know, they, they put that on Patrick as well. And in all reality, everything that you've seen in the media, um, about who Patrick Mahomes is as a person, uh, is he seems like a, a, a great person. And if you watch, uh, on Netflix, most people have Netflix nowadays, you can watch that quarterback, uh, TV show that they did last year following him, Mariota. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins, and you fall in the whole year, and you're like, this guy, it, he seems down to earth for somebody who is that big of a superstar and, and one of the most known faces around the entire country. And he seems pretty down to earth, and he seems like a good human being. And I think that he's kind of someone who people uh, attract. He's he's attracting people to him. You know, he, people flock to him, and um, from from things that, that I've heard is that he's he's a good person, and I think that he kind of gets um, anybody who has an immense amount of success, somebody will try to to bring them down in some way. So I don't I don't buy it. I think people are are, are tired of seeing seats all the time, that so they'll they'll try another way to to find find and hate him. But I, I don't see it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, people do try to tear anybody down that's on top. And and as, as I said a moment ago, he's so likable. Uh, yeah, he's got you know he's got the world in the palm of his hand, but he doesn't abuse that uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and uh, you know, there, there's so much scrutiny when you are that famous and and in the spotlight of the biggest sport. Um, by far in in our country and in the most important league and and all of those things. So, you know, my hat my hats off to him and 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 I like him. Another guy I like from afar, um, but he's a local kid and he, and he I I think he should be. I don't think he'll win it. I think he should be the MVP this year. And though the yards were really hard earned. Uh, he was really good again in the NFC Championship and the comeback for the 49ers. I'm talking about CMC, Christian McCaffrey. And so there's a, there's a you know, for us in Denver, you know, I, I hope for a great game. I, I don't really have a dog in the hunt, um, but I would be happy if the 49ers won because I really like McCaffrey. And I'd be just as happy if the Chiefs won because of what we're talking about. I like Mahomes. I like Travis Kelsey. I think any time you can look at a game and say at the spread that uh, minus one and a half for the Niners, that's what 
that's what it opened out that and Vegas doesn't very, uh, doesn't miss very often. So, uh, I think when you look at, uh, that scenario, you know that it's going to be a good game and these are two high level teams. Um, so it, it is very exciting. It's a great, it's a great matchup. And obviously as, uh, as Colorado sports fans and obviously this is a Colorado podcast, it is fun to look at, at guys who have major impact from the state of Colorado and Christian McCaffrey is uh is at the top of that list uh, as they come and uh I, it's funny i remember thinking back uh, i went to arapo high school obviously my brothers did as well we're we're warriors through and through i remember back in in 2013 or 2014 it was the year before i came to to arapo before my freshman year and arapo football who's who's good now but have had times where they struggled and they made it to the state semifinal and they had to play christian mccaffrey's uh, Valor team. And I think Christian McCaffrey ran for five touchdowns and caught another two and had over 300 yards, uh, from scrimmage. Um, so I just remember that being as a 13 year old. And it's so crazy to now think that guy's doing practically the same type of stuff in the NFL. Uh, betting odds for him to score a touchdown are like minus 300 in every single game he plays. Uh, it's, it, crazy the efficiency and the talent that that guy has and and how successful he's been ever since he he stepped on a football field all the way up through through Stanford and and uh it's it's fun to watch as a Colorado sports fan um to see someone uh as young as I am I'm only 23 to see someone that I watched as a kid beat up my own high school uh do the same thing at the highest level and now he's playing in the Super Bowl yeah, you know what's wild also? I read this piece today when they made that trade with Carolina, and, and I know the salary cap and, and how money is distributed is in dead money. And, you know, it, you have to be, you know, have a PhD in capology to understand it or figure it out. But the bottom line is because of that trade and that Carolina um, ate, I guess, much of the signing bonus, he, from a cap standpoint, is is the 14th highest paid player from a cap standpoint on the 49ers. So when you have one of your, you know, two or three best players, but they don't eat up the top part of the cap, what a what a boon for for the 49ers and, and the same thing going forward. But you're right. When you have a local kid who's done well and done exceedingly well and he should have won the Heisman, you know, years ago, if not for uh, you know, playing on the West Coast and, and half the voters didn't see him play and didn't realize how great he was, with all due respect to Derrick Henry, who I believe won it that year. He should have won a Heisman, and uh, he, he's going to go down as as an all-time great back when his career is done. And so it's yeah, that's kind of cool to see. I want to change gears on you a little bit. I know what I watch. I know what I listen to. Actually, I've started to listen to New Heights. I like the Kelsey brothers, man. They're funny, and, and their podcast is off the charts. I, I'm i a Stephen A. guy. I mean, sometimes I roll my eyes, but I really love Wednesday when Mad Dog's on. We're taping this on a Wednesday. I think Mad Dog's hysterical. I know Mad Dog a little bit, and um, I'm entertained by that. I've taken now to Pat McCa- uh, McAfee a little bit. So, who, as a 23-year-old person who plays at you know sports and is uh, embarking on this world, if you will, who who are your go-to guys? Who do you listen to? Who do you like uh, in the industry? Who entertains you? I think entertain is the uh, the biggest word you can use. It's not so much about being <laughs> not necessarily factual. If all these guys know what they're talking about. But it's how can you entertain the person that's watching and, and you're talking, especially on a sports talk show where you go over the same debates practically all the time. It feels like how can you make it entertaining? And obviously Pat McAfee, uh, has been a, a bit of a revelation and, and he's done such a, a, a great job in that department, uh, making it entertaining and bringing on a, a bunch of different guests and stuff. And, and he's been fun to watch. Uh, obviously that's what Stephen A. Smith is so good at doing is, is, gathering people yesterday i uh, i'm bored and i sit on twitter and i watch pat mac i mean excuse me Stephen a smith talk about who from spongebob he thinks should be the starting quarterback out of their uh out of their caps of characters um and it's something that you know obviously that that has nothing to do with sports other than quarterback but it's Stephen a smith and he's entertaining and he's built that stigma so i i enjoy 
all of them. I think probably the, the main people I listen to the, the most part, obviously, you know, I like to listen to you. You're, uh, you're not quite as entertaining or funny. I, you're entertaining. You're not quite as funny. I won't give you that. Uh, <laughs> but, but I like, I'll always do a lot of part in my take. Uh, I like to myself an award-winning listeners. They call it AWL. Uh, they do a good job. They get a lot of good guests on that. That's Big Cat and PFT commenter and, and they do, they do a good job. That's, that's entertaining for me, but there's so many different options out there, um, for entertainment and putting humor into, into the sports world. And, and now that anyone can have a podcast, you can find so many different people with different opinions and from different backgrounds. And, and it is kind of cool as you can really get a, a bunch of different sides of every story and, and, and make it interesting. So, uh, Sports media is definitely in a place right now that it probably has never been in terms of entertainment and how you're trying to entertain the people that are listening, watching. Um, but certainly there's, there's a lot of options. I, I know I, I'm a hockey fan. I listen to a lot of fit and chicklets. Uh, even Paul Bissonette. I know this isn't, um, we're, I guess we're changing it a little bit. We're not talking about football anymore anyway. So Paul Bissonette though, he's, he's on TNT now and he's doing the fit and chicklets podcast. And he's able to flip a switch of talking in derogatory terms almost on the Spit and Chicklets podcast to still being really funny uh, and bringing a very unique sense while he's sitting on the TNT set next to Wayne Gretzky, the great one. Um, and I don't think that that's, that'd be a, a type of person that would have been on on air in the media just you know a few years ago. No, and it was a coup for TNT to get Wayne Gretzky, who is uh, historically known as a great guy, but but more of a private guy. He's not he, he's not somebody that you say, oh, instantaneously, he's going to be um, great on television when his career is over. It's unquestioned that he's the greatest hockey player of all time, right? And it you juxtapose it against Tom Brady, who next year is reportedly going to begin his 10-year, $375 million contract with Fox, and he's going to unseat uh, a guy that's really well thought of, Greg Olson, in, the, in that number one chair uh, in the booth. But going back to Paul Bissonette, even with the great one on that TNT set, and it was a coup for them, as I said, the star of that show is Paul Bissonette. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's why entertainment is different than just you know, what kind of player were you? And I'm just going to listen to you because you were a great player. I think Tom Brady will do well. I'm segueing to Brady. Um, it'll be curious to see what happens with Greg Olson, who I think has clearly established himself as an elite analyst, a well-respected analyst. And, you know, it, it's tough to to take a backseat to anyone when you've established yourself. And now because of the contract and because of who is quote unquote replacing him, you know, how that plays out going forward. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And obviously Tom Brady, when you're the greatest player in the sports history, you, you get some of those advantages, but uh, in Brady's defense, I, I was unsure about how he would do in the media, um, but his podcast that he's been doing, he's been getting a lot of reps on that being, uh, personable, doing interviews, stuff like that, getting better at it. He was just on the McAfee show, I, I believe, yesterday, uh, talking about, as we take this on a Wednesday, so Tuesday, whatever it was, uh, talking about the preparation that he's been doing, um, in order to be successful, um, as a, as a broadcaster. And obviously it's a, a completely different thing than being on the actual field, but, uh, he brings, he's going to obviously bring a very unique perspective, um, one that nobody else on this planet can bring as, as as the greatest football player of all time. Um, but the way, one of the reasons that Tom Brady was so good was the amount of studying that he did uh, and preparation for the games. And I don't think that that will be an issue when it comes to um, being a broadcaster. I think he's going to be very well prepared. I think he's going to be very well prepared in just how to be a broadcaster before the uh, next year even starts. And then from a game to game basis as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I did see in its entirety Pat McAfee's interview with Tom Brady. And I would implore for those that, that didn't see it and are listening to, to this podcast, go watch it. And again, going back to the whole Pat Mahomes thing, you know, Captain America, Tom Brady and and and, you know, Prince Charming, all whatever, whatever moniker you want to put on him. And, and for those that love to hate. 
not only do we know his accomplishments and he's this good looking guy and everything he's done at the NFL level has been good. And then he's been bestowed this enormous contract. Tom Brady, if you listen to him, I find him very likable. I think without question, as you pointed out, he is going to be thoroughly prepared because that's how he became an elite quarterback for a guy that was a sixth round pick out of Michigan and was not a good athlete and was, you know, not well thought of really. Uh, I, I think he's going to do well. He's really articulate. Um, he is, you know, he's smart. Um, I expect him to do really well. As for Greg Olson, I do think, and and we'll see where that ends up. Is he in the number two slot at Fox for, you know, the immediate future? Perhaps, but down the road, he's going to have a big chair because he's established himself um, as, I, I think, an elite analyst very early on. Before I let you get on out of here, and I appreciate uh, visiting as always, the Avs, it's the NHL uh, All-Star break. The Avs, by and large, playing really well into the break. Um, better goaltending from Georgiev, which had been kind of hit and miss through the first uh, half of the season. Uh, where do you see the Avs, and, and where do you see them as you line up the contenders, if you will, for when this thing uh, becomes playoff hockey in April? Um, I <laughs> I think the Avs will go as far as their goaltending will take them. And as of right now, um, there's a lot of question marks to that. Like you mentioned, Georgiev has played a lot better uh, the last week going into the break or so. Um, but there was a stretch of hockey there where Georgiev really struggled. And I think a lot of it also fell on Georgiev was a career a backup in as the Rangers. And last year, he set his career high in games. And this year, he's on pace to... Be, I mean, he's legitimately in the all-star game because of his win total. Um, and he has that win total because he plays for, obviously, a really good team in the Avalanche, but because he's starting practically every game because the Avalanche don't have to belt Francois anymore, who's hurt out for the year. Unfortunately, his tenure as an Av is probably over. Um, but he's had to play so many games. So I think one of the things at the deadline that's important to do is get somebody who's usable as a backup um, that you can you can give this guy some – some rest going into the playoffs that he can play at his highest form. And last year, he he was a phenomenal goaltender for the Avalanche. You know, he's a top five guy in the the lead last year in terms of in terms of goaltending. And obviously, that has not been the case this year. In terms of and what McKenna's doing, you can go on and on about it. It's ridiculous. Right now, he's been playing as the best player uh, in the league. The decor is, is fantastic. And then you add a guy like Sam Malinsky, a surprise that nobody really high up before the year and he's been really good for them and you know they have so much depth and and it it's been great i think the the 2c spot we've been talking about this the the second line center we've been talking about this for a couple of years now ever since padre uh departed and there's still a lot of question marks Johansson was not the guy that they wanted them to be when they when they traded for him but um the, so we'll see what they do at the deadline to address that in terms of teams that are um, you know, threats, contenders, and, and where the Avalanche fit in them. I think it's it's probably them and and Edmonton and Vegas. Um, to me, in the West, I know Vancouver's having a great a great season, but there's still there's not a lot of playoff experience. Uh, we'll see how it gets there. Uh, uh, what happens when we get there? But I look at a team like like Vegas last year, defending Stanley Cup champions, and they roll four lines. And I know that they struggled here of late. They had that hot start. Um, but then Edmonton looks like the scariest team in the lead right now on a 14 or 15 game winning streak. And, and we know the talent that they have and how far they've made it in the playoffs the last couple of seasons trying to take that next step. Um, and then whoever comes out of the East is, is going to be good. But in terms of the avalanche, you worry about that when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. It always is. And, and, and it's, it's, it's maybe of the major sports. It's, it's the one that is the most difficult to say that's the team to be. Um, we've seen huge upsets. We saw the Bruins have an historic regular season last year and get eliminated uh, in the first round. We saw a, a team in Seattle in their first year take out the Avalanche uh, last year, the defending cup champions. You never know. It'll be a blast. It's been a lot of fun watching the Avalanche this first half. Obviously, McKinnon, I think, um, has a, you know, along with Kucherov, great chance to be the Hart Trophy winner. Um, uh, he's become 
you know, at least this year, the best player, I think, on the planet. But it, it'll be entertaining. We'll talk a lot more hockey in the coming uh, months. Buddy, I'll let you uh, get back to uh, studies in baseball and um, appreciate it as always. I'll talk to you soon. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too. I, before we go, I, there's been some rumors going around the street, Dad, that you're uh, you're not quite the skier you used to be. Uh, the, the green was a little bit too much to, for you to handle. You know, I, I usually keep uh, all things personal uh, off of uh, or away from my public life. So you've broken the uh, the news here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I always like to refer to myself. Well, I don't refer to myself that way, but you guys always say, you know, like kind of indestructible, you know, I work out like a maniac, all those things. And I've skied since I was five and, and, um, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was, I was in the woods on a powder day and there was a trough I couldn't see. Boom, out of nowhere, it dropped and uh, I tore my quad tendon, not fun. And I had surgery uh, a few days back. So I'm, uh, I'm hobbling a little bit, crutches and, a, and an immobilizer, but the way I look at it is I'm five days closer to being 100%. So I'm going to be moving slower through airports, at least uh, in the coming days. Yeah, well, with your work ethic, uh, I'm sure you'll be back on uh, on your feet in no time. But uh, I, I had to put out there that you are you can't get down the greens anymore. Uh, yeah, um, no, come on, come on. You know better than that. Anyhow, I appreciate it, bud. And um, I will, uh, I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right. Bye. Love you. See you, man. Always good to um, chit chat with one of your kids and and to be able to do it uh, in your own profession when you have a a kid that wants to, I don't want to say follow in in dad's footsteps, but, you know, create his own path. Um, As you know, and as, as I think is fair to say, I'm immensely in capital letters proud. And number one, I say this for all my boys, they are, um, they are, they're great human beings first and foremost. So forgive me for, um, for that, if you will, but proud of my boys and, um, and it's always great having Zach on. And, um, anyhow, uh, he let the cat out of the, the bag about my quad slash knee injury. So I'm on the mend. So if you see me uh, hobbling around in in a weight room near you, um, as I say, I'm five days closer to being 100%. We will do it again in seven days. And in seven days, we'll be on the cusp of the Super Bowl pitting San Francisco and Kansas City together in Las Vegas with Taylor Swift in attendance. It's going to be fun. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. Stay well. Stay safe.